Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I, Chrissy and I usually come to the 11 o'clock service, so I don't get to see a lot of you very often. But it's, uh, it's wonderful to be in, in this place. As Patrick has said so many times, and we all agree, this is like God's cathedral. Uh, it's a beautiful place. We're, we're lucky to have this place. A lot of churches don't have a place like this where they can gather outside of worship. But if you're like me, I can't wait to get back in there. That is a beautiful, holy place. And, uh, and I feel so close to God when I'm in that place. But I felt close to God at a lot of places. I've been, as you can tell by looking at me, I've been around a while. And I, I have traveled a lot. Uh, and there's been some wonderful churches and cathedrals that I've been in. Uh, some of the most memorable ones, of course, and many of you may have been there, is the the Sistine Chapel, being able to stand in there and look up at Michelangelo's beautiful ceiling and that great fresco of the Last Judgment on the back wall behind the altar. I mean, it's just awe-inspiring. And then go next door to walk through the door of St. Peter's Basilica, and it takes your breath away. It's the largest church in the world, and it just soars up in the up in the into the heavens. It seems like and I know there's some golden letters up there that surround the, the dome. Those letters are six feet tall, but they look tiny. It's huge. To Canterbury, walk through the cathedral, that holy place of Anglicanism. Been uh, a, a number of cathedrals in, in England. Of course, my favorite, one of the holiest places I've been to, uh, is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Jerusalem. I've been been to the Holy Land three times, taken several tours there, led several tours myself, but I've spent hours in that place, that place that the ceiling spans both the place where Jesus was crucified and where he was entombed and rose from the dead. So what a holy place. But other holy places too. A little clapboard, white clapboard church, uh, Appalachia, South Kentucky, uh, a holy place, different than this, but still you felt the presence of God. <laughs> a dirt floor little church in Honduras, where people were singing and joyful, holy, holy places, all those places. But what is a church building? Whether it's a grand cathedral in England or a small clapboard building in Kentucky, what is a church building if it's not the house of God? It's a place where we can go. And a place where we can feel like we can touch the divine. That's what a church building is. And it's difficult for you and me. We're, we're limited human beings. Sinful human beings. And it's, it's hard for us sometimes to feel like we can get close to God. This world for all its beauty... It's just not enough for us. We want more. We want to be able to, to lift our eyes above the grit and grime of the world and strain upward toward eternity. And maybe that's why God gave us church buildings, these tangible, specific, concrete places where we can go and be met by God and meet God. And I expect that's why we're here this morning this grand cathedral of God, this place where we can come and gather together and 
feel like we are in the presence of God. God is close to us. It's, this is kind of a version of our own temple, so to speak. In today's gospel, Jesus' most memorable visit to the temple in Jerusalem is what we hear in this story. The temple, of course, is a place of worship for the Jewish people. No place in Judea was more sacred than the temple. The temple for Jews literally was where God resided. So you come to the temple to be as close to God as you could possibly be. The temple was where God and God's people came together. Now, forgiveness was not attained except through the work of the temple priesthood. Here, sacrifices were made, animals were offered as appropriation for the sins of the people. Here in the temple, the priest conducted business between the people and God in the highest heaven. Inside the temple grounds in what was called the court of the Gentiles were the money changers. The money changers were necessary in order to change the Roman currency, which had an idolatrous image of, the, of Caesar on it, to change that into currency that could be used in the temple, currency that could be used to purchase sacrificial animals. People were traveling from all over, and it was hard to bring a clean, what they called a clean animal, so they were able to buy one there uh, with temple currency that they exchanged with the money changers. Those sacrificial animals were needed for the temple rituals, and the money changers helped make that happen. The money changers were perfectly legal, legal and absolutely necessary to carry on the business of the temple, helping humanity make contact with God, providing the context where God could be connected with God's people. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a holy man, a devout Jewish man, who probably over his 30 to 33 year life made many trips to the temple to worship. But Jesus began to feel that the temple had become corrupted. What was happening there had been corrupted. And so it's into the temple that Jesus strives. He makes a whip of cords, turns over tables of the money changers, scatters the animal and the people and money and throws things around, created some big ruckus, drives the money changers out of the temple precincts. And as you can imagine, it was chaos. Animals going everywhere, people screaming. The temple authorities rush up to him and say, what sign can you give us for doing what you're doing here? Jesus says those strange kind of cryptic words. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What an odd thing to say. You can imagine they're scratching their head and saying, what in the world? Destroy this thing? This huge temple? It took us 40 plus years to build this thing and you think you're going to drop it and build it back up in three days? 
See, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who has come to set things right between us and God, the one who teaches God's will, in fact, his cleansing of the temple court seems to be right in line with his prophetic determination to purify the practice of religion, to honor the temple, and to revive true spirituality. Now he tells them, go ahead, lay waste to tear down this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Well, fortunately for us, John, the writer of this gospel, gives us a little interpretation at the end of it. Helps us understand what in the world Jesus is talking about. He, he says Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus' body is the temple. This is the body that will be raised from the dead in three days after it is abused at crucifixion. John intrudes with an interpretation of Jesus' strange words and deeds by letting us in on this messianic secret. Jesus' body is the new temple, the new place of worship, the new connection between God and God's people, the new connection between God and humanity. Destroy that temple on the cross, and God will restore it in three days at the resurrection. John depicts Jesus as striding into the temple, overturning the tables of the whole temple mechanism, and saying, in effect, I'm ending the temple way of God connecting with humanity. Now I'm the new temple. I'm the new temple. I'm the way that God gets to you, and you get to God. Now you don't need to go into a building. You don't need to sacrifice a dove or a lamb at the altar in order to get God's attention. Now you don't need to go into a grand building to do business with God. Now you do it with me, the new temple. Why are we here this morning? Why are we here this morning? What do you expect to happen when you come to this holy place. Now I've heard people say that, you know, I come to church on Sunday morning because it's like a filling station. You know, I come to get filled up so I can make it through the week. <laughs> I've also heard people say, I come here, you know, for the sermon. You get some great preaching here. I mean, what's it like for me to have to come after Patrick preaches, you know? <laughs> you come to get inspiration for that. From the, from the worship and from all of that to get inspiration so that we can figure out, you know, and maybe hear some things that we need to change in our lives, different ways we need to, to live to be more closer to the Lord. But let me, say, let me say this. This morning I think we come here for this. I think the scripture suggests that the real reason we are here is to meet God and to be met by God. That's the real reason we come. Now there was a day when that sort of thing happened in a grand building, the temple, the holy place where the sacred mysteries occurred and were presided over by the temple priesthood. Now, in Jesus Christ, 
the light of the world, the Word made flesh, that divine human connection has been, become embodied in a human being. Now, now, God comes to us not in holy mysteries of a great temple, but in a rather face-to-face -face encounter with the living God. Now we come to God not in a holy place, even a holy place as this, or even that beloved church building over there. Now we come to God as a person, someone with a human face, a human body that lived among us and died among us and was raised on th in three days, and someone who will always be, a, be with us both day and night, no matter where we are. That's what we come to worship. That someone is Jesus Christ. So I'm saying to you on the basis of what we read this morning in the scripture, that we're not here to huddle in this holy place so that we can try to climb up to God. We're here to be met by God. To celebrate the truth that we don't need a grand building be close to God. God has built a grand temple for us to be close to Him. And that grand temple is Jesus Christ. We don't have to buy our way into God's favor by buying a lamb or a dove from the money changers. We just have to let ourselves be loved by this Jew from Nazareth who looks so much like us. God is not in a building, even a building as beloved as ours. God is in Christ, reconciling us to God. These beautiful cathedrals and churches that people have built all over the world with their soaring columns and beautiful stained glass, I love them. I love them. They help me sense the the eminence, the, the grandeur, the awesomeness of God. But we don't have to journey to Westminster Abbey or, or to St. Peter's in Rome or to Canterbury because God Almighty has journeyed to us right here, right now, in this place, in Jesus Christ. There's no need to come to the temple because wonder of wonders, the temple has come to us.